Friday Harbor. Welcome to another special edition of Adam versus the Man coming to you again from San Juan Island in Washington State. Puget Sound. Gotta say, the more time I spend here, the more I love this area. And it is such a cool community here. Uh, the whole San Juan Island community, the Friday Harbor town community. Uh, it's it's really pretty cool. And I'm, I'm grateful that it's been such a wonderful experience for my uh, my mom and my stepdad living here and being a part of this community so uh with that we have some serious headlines to get to today i hate to laugh but it's like oh shit we gotta talk about covid some more more nonsense more backpedaling more uh it's i i hate to have to, to do two covid blogs two days in a row but yeah cdc reversing indoor mask policy to recommend it uh, recommend them for fully vaccinated people in COVID hotspots. And and I, I want to just take a quick minute before we get to producer notes uh, to, to examine this, you know, simple uh, analysis that a lot of uh, people on the skeptical vaccine side have about, uh, you know, when, when they hear this, like, oh, it doesn't work. Well, if, if your vaccine works, why do you care if I get it? And, and it's, it, 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 that's missing the it sort of works. So I want to examine that very quickly here. Because if you, you can say like, look, well, hey, if your vaccine works, then you shouldn't care about people who are unvaccinated. As long as everybody has access, then me setting my own risk has no effect on you. I mean, they want to, this whole thing is premised on the, you know, the, this is socially conscious, conscious to you know, limit your use <clears throat> of uh health resources healthcare resources remember is we have to stop the hospitals from being overloaded that was the original motivation for two weeks to flatten the curve and the shocking the 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 the, the overwhelming lack of perspective that being motivated to have any kind of harmful covid policy with that argument it it, it, it hurts my soul to see fat people to see overweight people, to see sedentary people, to see people who have shitty diets look at me and say, well, Adam, you have to take this vaccine because, you know, if not, you might overwhelm the healthcare system and make less resources available if I, if I get hurt in an emergency. And it's like, holy shit. Do I really need to explain the hypocrisy of that? But when they say the vaccine sort of works, so we want you to take this thing that sort of works so that I can be unmasked around you being un no, like it still doesn't add up. But if they say, well, it sort of works. Well, my immune system sort of works and it doesn't have any negative side effects. You know, you want to go with the, well, well, if it sort of works, we should all be pushing and doing it. I'm sorry, but until you look at, you know, obesity and diet, and lack of exercise for the average American. All of these things are relatively superficial and, 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 and horrifically misplaced priorities. You go, oh, well, we, when we've been misled to look at this, instead of looking at what actually works, someone gets rich, someone goes broke. Oh, geez, it's starting to look like a racket, isn't it? And again, I'm one of the relative, I, I mean, I, from what I see is the spectrum of beliefs on COVID, 
I'm I'm pretty moderate, you know, in terms of like, yeah, it's real, yeah, it's killing people, but holy shit, just put it in perspective. Just look at some of the other problems in the world that are being ignored. That these efforts going to fight COVID would be better spent on. And if nothing else, we go okay. Well, Adam, let's see, we agree. Uh, again, I don't agree. You know, on the main the mainstream narrative of the COVID mythology. But even if I, it's like I grant you that mythology and say, you know, for argument's sake, okay, fine. Say that. Say the government is telling the truth about everything about COVID. The way they're handling it still reveals the criminal nature of it, because they say they're doing this for your health. They obviously don't actually care. And if they thought this stuff worked, like the essentially planned interventions on national or global health issues worked, and they cared about your health, they would intervene for diet and exercise. They would, but they—that's not the purpose of this. Obviously, the purpose of government is to make the rich richer at the expense of the rest of us. Whatever violent means available. It's it's tough sometimes. Uh, I mean, being a libertarian is is, is almost a curse. You know, there's so many more libertarians out there who aren't like you and me, who don't feel the need to follow the news every day and keep up with what government is doing in world events. They're just like, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, be libertarian and enjoy life more as a result. Uh, and, and, and sometimes I think, you know what, you guys, maybe maybe y'all are doing it better than us. Because for people like us looking at this, when you see the code behind the matrix, it's tough not to be mad as hell. And at some point you have to get to a point of like just acceptance. Right, like okay, all right. There are shitty people in the world. We do shitty things with government on a massive scale. They hurt people I love and care about because those people don't understand it and don't see it. But I have to accept that because the alternative is 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 denial of reality or or, or suddenly being at war with the reality. Uh, on Twitch, the Tomb Kid says, Hello, Adam. Good morning to you, sir. And thank you for interrupting my monologue. So that we can get on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim with the producer notes. But first, my own little producer notes. Anybody who might be watching this on Odyssey, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Odyssey is, uh, I don't know, Jim, are we, are, did it work? Are we, are it we, works. On? we are streaming live on Odyssey. That was going to be my first producer note. Yep. Uh, stole your thunder. Huh. Yeah. Stole my thunder. Yeah. yeah so. Well, the, the, what, I, what I want to say about that, though, is that I, I'm very excited about this because live streaming on a blockchain-based website is a, a major leap for social media, for online independent media, for this show. And I know uh, BitChute has been great as an innovator, a pioneer, library behind Odyssey as well uh, with the blockchain uh, functionality. But we're... I had this, I, I had like way too high of an expert, like the technology's there. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Fucking millennials, right? And yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm 39. I can get away with calling myself a millennial. Uh, but now that, that we're doing it, we're on Odyssey. We're live streaming on Odyssey with StreamYard. That feels like a major technological leap for this show. 
and for the internet and for humanity. And so this week, maybe today, we'll take this as the test. So please help us out if you can check it out on Odyssey, if you can find us there, create an account, whatever you got to do. Uh, we, we definitely want to give this, uh, you know, the, the full effort and do it right. And then make sure that everything is smooth this week and come back and hit it hard and promote it on Monday, starting next week. For well, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah as, long as, as long as everything works on it, then we should start fully trying to push all of our traffic there. I, I believe the only thing I know about Odyssey is, um, a couple of people I watch, I see their YouTube videos and a lot of times a video will come up and they say, this video is way too controversial for YouTube. I guarantee you it'll be taken down. So you have to go watch it on Odyssey link in the description. And I'm like, so anything that's that like supposedly nothing is off, off base on, uh, on Odyssey. It's a censorship and free, so. free speech platform. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're testing the waters. We're up to our ankles and we're, we're the water's warm. Come on in. <laughs> So let's get promos out of the way so we can get on with the rest of the show. Adam versus the man has a public telegram channel. I don't know if you knew, but if you didn't, you can be a part of it at t.me forward slash Adam versus man. It's a free group open to everybody. You don't even need an invite. You can join it and follow along with all the links for every show that we have every single day, Monday through Friday. So if you want to follow along, t.me forward slash Adam versus man is where you do that. If you want to support the show financially, patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. We got one, five, 10, even $50 a month packages, $10 a month to get you access to the private producers club, which is what we use to share links and decide what's going to be discussed on the show in the future. So if you want to be a part of the show that way, definitely get connected with Patreon at the $10 level. Uh, if you want to have a virtual orgasm with your eyeballs, then you can go to Instagram at the garden of freedom, see all kinds of pictures and video of life up there in gardenia, uh, new pictures and videos added all the time. So definitely get connected to that and follow it and look for the new content. Next we go to homefrontbattlebuddies.com. It's a veterans nonprofit organization that runs retreats for veterans across the country. And indeed, I believe across the world, if it, if it comes to it, all of your donations through Homefront Battle Buddies are tax deductible. Excuse me, I keep doing that. They are theft deductible. And so definitely take advantage of that. Next, we go to the crypto6.com, the, the Bitcoin church that was raided up in Keene, New Hampshire. You can donate cryptocurrencies to their legal funds through these QR codes on screen. The very top button shows you the address. So you can write to Mr. Nobody who's still in a cage. Let him know you're thinking about him and you hope everything turns out okay in their situation. Lastly, gogreenenergyonline.com is a website we send everybody to to educate themselves on solar panels and micro wind power, zero energy homes. If you're looking to go off grid, even if you live in the city, you can go off the grid and you can learn how to do it yourself at gogreenenergyonline.com. That's all I got for promos today. Hope you all enjoy the show every today. Uh, love you all. Have a good day. All right. Let's get our co-host Steve Remus up here. We got at least two, two out of three of the team in Arizona today. <clears throat> good morning, sir. Speaking of violence, I'm here to talk about the government. So, you know, how you doing, Adam? How's how's Washington? How is uh, how is how is the Pacific Northwest? It's beautiful. I love it here. It's such. I mean, it, 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 it what well, summer times. I love I love this. I love the summer here. The uh, the dry warm part of the year. I love the rest of it. Like, and I, and I I don't mind it. I appreciate that some people like just wet weather 
and it's just like wet and never that cold like okay that's cool like that that's if you choose that deliberately only for me during the summertime but i love it and then and see i get to come here during the summer and then i get to appreciate the trees being soaked in cold wet all year round like in, in gardenia i love our trees i love the junipers but here we have you know like giant redwoods and, you know like 100 foot trees just like everywhere like it's no big deal and it's i i love you know that scene in star wars when they're they're on the speeders and you know like racing yeah. through on the, the ewok planet like that's what i feel driving around some of the roads here on the island it's like it's really cool but you know it, it has been tough you know I'm, I'm here uh taking care of family members dealing with with medical situations you know it's been it's been kind of tough for me and that's why i'm spending more time here than i had originally planned so we got you know we you have a serious comment contest i do for us today and i think it's it's kind of nice to say let's we, we got some serious headlines we're talking about COVID some more so let's let's keep it we're going to keep things chill and mellow as we get serious and try to keep it as we always do at least light-hearted and humorous and always be able to laugh at yeah. the world as we look at the most wicked parts of it yeah and so the, the comment contest today comes from a, a a i guess twitter spat between two people i follow who i I, I feel like generally have the same philosophy on life um, and they've they've apparently had a grievance with one another <laughs> so my my question today based off some of this is can you work for the government and be a libertarian why or why not well I got so many answers of my own I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna be disciplined well, so, with so, the audience and, answer first and the best part about this is both these guys are also veterans right so I'm like we're veterans so you know and I can relate to the one guy because I was a defense contractor after I got out of the military well, hold right? on hold on you might as well name names this is public right, let's so, give them the promo value out of this yeah okay so so Braxton McCoy um author uh lives in Idaho, uh, rancher, horse trainer, um, you know, and then you have Shane Hazel, a gubernatorial candidate for Georgia. Um, they had a disagreement over Shane's approach, I guess, politically to, to becoming governor of Georgia. Um, some of the language he uses and the terms he uses, um, you know, which is, he had a pretty successful or a pretty good, you know, Senate campaign along the same lines. So um, it comes down to a lot of, you know, opinion based. I don't think you should be doing this. I think you should speak more like this. You know, politicians speak more like this. And I'm like, wow, guys, I say a lot of curse words. <laughs> I'm like, listen, if you've ever if you've ever been on my Twitter feed <laughs> and you don't like naughty words, I have some. Wait, oh, hold on, Steve. I have, I have, I have an add-on question, as as I am, as I am want to do. Uh, should libertarian candidates curse Absolutely. in public as part of their uh, while representing themselves as libertarian party candidates for so, public office in the United so here's, States? Here's my stance on this. Right, what what makes those words bad words? Right, it's it's back hundreds of years ago, people were like, well, that's a, that's a word. And I don't like that word. 
but you know, what, what am I going to do is go on and say, well, that's poop. That's crap. Oh man, <laughs> some, some stuff, some stuff really, you know, if you need to say, well, that's like, that's a shit thing, right? That's a, like, it's to me, it's just a more firm, stern way of addressing something, right? Like, well, there's, yeah, there's that. Well, it's sort of like the, the cursing used to have a shock value, supposedly, right? Yeah. Um, and and I think in a way it did, and it's lost that. But there, and, and in that sense, it was it was like a rude thing to do, yeah. Right? Like if 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 you know that your audience doesn't use the word fuck, and when they hear the word fuck, it like pings their brain and makes them go, you know, like oh, ooh. see, and this guy, you know, this is what my dad said when he beat me, you know, like what, yeah. you know, and it triggers them like that, then 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 it's rude to use that, like, right? But similarly, like, I, I got, I, I'm going to say, we're, you know, trigger warning, like, and I hate to sound like an SJW here, but the word rape, like, I'm sensitive to throwing around the word rape casually yeah. in conversation because that's a real trigger for a lot of people who have been raped the way that fuck used to be a trigger for, like, a big chunk of the population, right? Yeah. So in that sense we should be sensitive with our language. We should be diplomatic, but should we curse or not? I think society is like losing this, this, this ping effect for yeah. fuck shit, piss, cunt, cock, motherfucker and tits. Right. The yeah. Carlin, if I, I probably messed up. Yeah. You know, the well, Carlin seven words, it doesn't have that effect anymore. But if I say rape in front of the wrong person in casual conversation, that might have that effect. If I say disemboweling, you know, that's a, that's like that pings me because I disavowally. I have to like it's not a common word. I have to stop and think about what it's describing. And it's fucking obscene. You put a, you that puts a nasty image in my head. If you if you, you know, graphic language, if you're describing something violent and graphic and unpleasant. And that's sort of what cursing used to be when people were stupid and, and re reactionary and gave into religious language control. Well, and that's and that's where I think a lot of that stems from is um, there's you know there's there's still s certain people that um, you know that and if, if your values are influenced by your religion that's great but the 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 point of the problem is you're not supposed to critique or criticize or judge others for not <laughs> for not doing that right like that's that's a problem like so with the language thing well you have tattoos right remember like the tattoo thing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm just going to show anyone in Arizona that, yes, I'm getting a full sleeve done while running for office. And I really, <laughs> don't, I really don't care. Right. Like and that's, you know, there's some people who are like, oh, man, you should, you know, when you when you go on a, a podcast or when you do something in public, you should wear a long sleeve shirt. And I'm like, why? I already showed everybody the video of me getting the outline done. So it's <laughs> like. Like there's, there's nothing there. I'm not hiding anything guys. Like I told everybody, I'm like, listen, I cuss, I have tattoos. Um, I've done drugs. I've well, done, you know, like, so, so about the attire thing, like I I'm, I'm with you there on like not hiding and like when it's, when it's warm out and I'm campaigning, you know, I'll wear cargo shorts, flip flops. And you know, at, at most a shirt like this with the sleeves yeah. rolled up so you can well, see that well, I have on you know, my forearms. Like if mm -hmm. I ever get to if I ever get to debate the other candidates, right? I will, 
I will dress more formally. To so, yeah, so that's, that's what I was getting at. Like, it's like, I'll, like I'll, normally I'm wearing short sleeve plaid shirts and you can see my full tattoos on my arms. Obviously, you can't see my back. Um, but I'm not like, I'm not, if I'm talking to someone, you know, it's what is the current customer service standard of professionalism and, and, and presentability, right? Yeah. So, like, if I'm walking around outside campaigning, a button-down shirt with a collar and short sleeves showing ink, being neat and presentable, and I'm, I, I'll curse casually in front of strangers, but I'm not going to lead with cursing. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to censor myself. But I'm I'm not an idiot who is going to use cursing as a crutch. But so what? That, that the next question then is like for attire, you know. It, even as a libertarian, you know, is there a time when it's sort of long sleeves required? You know, and, and for us as like in our internal culture, I think the last big convention I went to, like in California, you know, we do the banquet in the evening. You know, we still want to show up. You know, and whether it's and, and you know it's funny. It's, it's not I think we're at the point for humanity where it's not uh, about traditional formal attire like you have to be in a suit and tie yeah. but as libertarians this is our formal this is a big event it's important we want you to dress thoughtfully you yeah. know even if, if you're uh, if you're a vermin supreme that's the boot and the ties you know <laughs> if you're a yeah. star child that's you know uh, maybe cover your butt cheeks. And 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 you know, be a little more thoughtful yeah. in your complete confidence. Comp- wear something dramatic, and but you know, as long as it's like you're not showing nipples and genitals, like you know, stuff that triggers people visually. Yeah, we're not really set on yeah on convention there either anymore, are we? Yeah, it's like uh, you know the last uh, AZLP convention, right? Um, like I think me jeff metric and like maybe two or three other folks like wore suits right but also jeff's running for congress you know i was that was my first like appearance at an azlp convention so i was like well i want to like show you i don't want to show up looking like a redneck from southern arizona guys like (laughs) you know i want to i want people to like semi associate a positive image with me right so that's and that all well, that all plays it's, into which it, so healthy disrespect also yeah. could come here like know your audience and if it's a senior center senior home you know that they're in a different mentality or some yeah. of them are are that mentality of the generations prior and you should talk to them with that and so like with you coming to the AZLP convention you want to communicate in your presentation I take this seriously yeah right and so how do you do that with this audience well. Yeah. Put on a suit and tie, pretty easy. That's why for me, it's like black suit, white shirt, black tie, really simple every time. Suit up, that's it. You know. Yeah. Uh, but to the serious question, like and, and naming these names, we're talking about our friend Shane Hazel, and 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 he's he actually is is pissed about this too, in the sense that he doesn't like working for the government. Yeah. Uh, and and he's he sort it's it's two steps removed. But he very much acknowledges how this is problematic. He started years ago working for a company that makes super low light sensitive cameras. They got, it's about 70 employees, and they got bought out five times since he's been working there. And 
Now, most recently, they've been bought out by Raytheon. And Raytheon is a major military defense contractor in the United States. What portion of their business it is, I don't know, but they are a big chunk of the military business and they make tools of oppression and murder. And Shane Hazel is very, uh, excuse me, adamant in, in his language of calling out militarism directly as the American murder cult. So what is the challenge from who, who is the other guy fault? Uh, so Braxton McCoy, and he's, uh, I would say he's more conservative. He, he definitely has some religious value. He's, he's a good guy. He's, he wrote a book, I believe, called The Glass Factory. Really good book. I um, highly recommend it. He's a he's a cool dude to follow on Twitter, um, and you know, just interesting because I saw I saw the original tweet where he was like, you know, you know, Shane should be more professional and not use terminology like the murder cult and you know stuff. And I was just like, I don't know about that, man. Like, I ne- I never really thought about you know how our past or our jobs or our past jobs um, would would prevent us from having or would cause people to believe we don't have certain beliefs, right? Because now a bunch of Braxton's followers are like, oh, well, Shane's a Fed because he's a defense contractor. Okay, so why are you going after a man's way of making a living, right? Like, <laughs> he takes that money and puts it directly into running a campaign against the government. Like, <laughs> you know, that's that's like... You know, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and like, I'm not going to personally go after someone and be like, hey, man, you should find something else to do. Um, I don't want you to continue living a comfortable life. That's that's kind of what it comes down to. Well, it's let me, let me just point out on, on this. Uh, we're going to take callers. We're going to open the show up for the last 30 minutes uh, of the program today after we talk to our guests. And then I'm going to now I'm going to trigger everybody by bringing vegetarianism into this. <laughs> Uh, because in an ethical veganism, does the non-aggression principle apply to animals? We're hitting all the big points here. But then it's kind of a spectrum of conscientious living. Like I recently came to reject the terms vegetarian and vegan as they apply to me. Uh, basically, I want to extend the non-aggression principles to animals as uh, practically as I can. Um, I refuse to uh, order meat for myself. Uh, or, or buy it because that's killing an animal for pleasure. When you can be just as healthy without meat in your diet, you say you got eggs and dairy, you get a, if you need animal protein, you can have as much and probably healthier from eggs or egg whites or whatever it is, however you want to do it. So killing animals for pleasure, like I won't do it, I won't participate in it, I won't spend money, I won't support it or pay someone else to do it. That's kind of a clear line for me. But I'll still eat meat if it's leftovers, if it's roadkill. What you, you get my point, right? It's yeah. about conscious consumerism, and, and I, I similarly think torturing animals for pleasure is wrong. And that is that's how I look at dairy and eggs. But I believe you can have ethical eggs if you have free-range chickens and you treat them humanely. It's a positive symbiotic relationship. I'm not drawing a hard line on any of this, and I don't condemn people for eating meat. And I recognize that hunting or growing your own and harvesting your own meat is still a huge step more conscientious than the average American just buying hormone and and uh, 
and antibiotic-laden meat out of the grocery store without even checking the label or thinking about it. You know, so there's there's a there's a spectrum, you yeah. know, conscientiousness here. And I'm saying, you know what? I've crossed this line. I've crossed this line. These are my practices to live as ethically as I can, right? So I would say it's the same thing with this case. You know, we talk about yeah, can you can you be a libertarian? You know, it, it, well, where do you fall on this spectrum of living libertarian? You know, yeah. like I, I like to, you know, think of myself as oh, I'm pretty woke to this shit, and I, I live off grid and blah, 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 blah. but it's like no, I, 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 I use fucking Verizon. You know, like, you know, I, yeah. there's no, like, there's no way that, I, and, and I'm working on it. You know, step by yeah. step. Well, the biggest, you the know? biggest, like, comedic thing of value to this whole thing is. We're all on Twitter. Like, yeah, we all know we all know the government is heavily influencing social media, and yet here we yeah. all are. Yeah, right. Yeah, this, yeah, this conversation is happening <laughs> so like, on cell phones on Twitter. Yeah, like, what are we doing here, man? Like, I remember I was some guy commented on something I posted like a couple of days ago. It was about TikTok, and he's like, "Oh, don't get on TikTok," you know, blah blah blah. Chinese, and I was like, I was like, Chinese. This is an Apple iPhone. Made in China, bro. Yeah, doesn't matter if TikTok's owned by China. I'm already my computer. All the stuff inside my computer, Chinese. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like guys, well, half half the stuff in my car, China. Like, <laughs> but I, I, well, I, I, do. Hope that, I hope that motivates people to think about the big things that they can do. And this is where, like, I I will, and I think Shane. I'm very sympathetic to Shane in this position. You know, because he's a veteran, anti-war speaker, you know, uh, libertarian candidate, very adamantly anti-hashtag murder cult. And he's yeah. working for this company where he thought he was doing something like in engineering. And now he's doing it for the murder cult indirectly through Raytheon. And uh, I think he's he's motivated enough to live conscientiously that he's going to resolve this. Yeah, he's he's going to he's going to he's going to quit. He's going to he's going to, you know, address the issue. He's going to break off with the company or something like that. Um, and, and he recognizes that this, that this is a bad thing. But yeah. can you condemn him for staying there? Could you like you know, if, if he couldn't find a way to do that? It was just like, you know what? This is my job. This is the way that I exchange a little bit of labor with the evil machine to get my tokens out. And I'm going to spend all those tokens taking down the machine. And I think that's more effective and I can use that to strike the root. Unless you want to donate to support his podcast to match that income, go fuck yourselves trying to try and tell him, you know, to, to quit his job. Right. Yeah. That's that. And that's a big thing, right? Like, you know, I worked for a company, uh, last year, um, you know, I've been working for them for two years. <clears throat> they make a whole bunch of coronavirus tests and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, when it came to, they were like, oh, well, we didn't make enough money last year. You know, we're going to have to cut some people loose. I was like, how did you, how did, how did you not make money last year? Like, like two, two of your products sold like almost, you know, hundred billions of dollars worth of stuff. And so they started talking about like cutting people from the project management office. And I was like, check this out. I'll quit. That way someone else doesn't have to get fired. 
And at the time I was managing like five of their projects, everybody freaked out. They're like, don't quit. And I was like, not too late. I'm like, obviously, <laughs> I was like, obviously whatever money you made isn't coming to where it needs to go. So, you know, now, it's, there's, there's one other really important practical note I want to hit on uh, for this. And I, I can't say that I'm any kind of great financial advisor, but from what I've experienced, and from what I've what I've seen and, and, and heard in, in stories like that, what does it take to have that kind of logistical flexibility in your life? That's a that's a whole other kind of freedom, you know, you know, positive freedom, right? Of, of maneuverability. Do you have the resources? Do you have the income? Do you have the family, the network, all of those things? That, to, that would allow you to quit your job or are you dependent? And, and one of the ways that I think so many people have been sucked into corporatism is by being leveraged, right? You get you get the, the mortgage, you get the car payment, and, and then you have kids and now you're stuck because if you quit your job, you and your, your family, you're all homeless. And it's like, yep. do you, did you, did you give up that freedom in order to have that, temporary payoff of a, a bigger house and a shinier car because now you're stuck and now you're forced to, to, to face this horrific decision of work for evil or be on the streets yeah, or be destitute, you know, and that's, that's like, no, no, it's not hard. Buy some land. You know, it's, it, it's like that old saying, you ain't a man if you ain't got land. Right. Yeah. Well, in a way, you're not you're not a self-sustainable, you know, sustainable human being if you don't have a home base that no one can take away from you. I don't want to too much gender this. But, yeah, in the in the male role of being the provider and protector for the family, are you the one that can provide that no matter what? Or are you a, are you a cuck? It depends on a corporate job. Are you a, are you a slave to the man? Are you have you literally sold yourself? in exchange for this kept lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, you know, we get into that and, you know, Hard to be funny about that. <laughs> when I, uh, you know, when I, when I start talking to someone or start dating someone, you know, and they start talking about values and stuff. And I was like, look, my, my dad raised me that no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, if I'm married to someone or in a long-term relationship, I, as a man, Right. Should be able to provide and take care of no matter what. Yeah. And like, that's not a gender thing. That's a value thing. Like, it would be like, that's just the way I was raised. And like, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have kids with a woman who didn't have that same attitude. Yeah. That like, Hey, I'm the, I'm, I'm capable of being the responsible adult for everything here. If I have yeah. to be. Yeah, and that's and that's so it's it's strange nowadays cuz like certain parts of the population get offended when you're like hey, I was I was raised this way, so you know, if you know, you if you need to quit your job to finish school or whatever, don't worry about it. I got you. And then it's like I don't need your help. And you're like, "All right. That's weird." <laughs> you know, like my bad, like and and it's like and it's Often, at least in my in my experience, it's never reciprocated, right? So, like, if you do it, 
and you're doing it, like that's a good way to get taken advantage of, right? Because people will be like, oh, well, you support me till I finish this goal and then out of here. Like, ah, oh, okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. And all right, so we got a lot of stuff people yeah. could comment on. Keep the comments coming. We're gonna get to some headlines. Got to bust out this COVID block. I hate to say it, but uh, with that, Steve, thank you. We'll check in with you again uh, after we talk to our guests and get to callers. First up, CNBC.com top headline on Drudge Report: CDC to reverse indoor mask policy, saying fully vaccinated people should wear them indoors in COVID hotspots. So, again, you see why I want to look at this. Well, the vaccine works. Well, it sort of works. Well, it doesn't work. Well, if it only sort of works, you know, how do we address that? And I think as as government skeptics, as as, as people who can see the racket with COVID, at least as best we can for what it is, you know, how do we address this? Well, the the, the I mean, I, I don't know if we even have to at this point. It, this might be really good news for us in, in, in terms of people who care about freedom. This might be really good news for America. And that maybe they went too far. If they say, look, all right, hey, you know how we said, you know, if, if we all got the vaccines, you wouldn't have to wear masks. Like, well, now we want you to wear masks indoors with people, regardless of the vaccine. And you go, well, why would I take the next vaccine then? There's no benefit. Now, where this goes is, again, this is, I mean, I hate to say I told you so, but booster shots, we're going to come to that. But first, Insider, businessinsider.com, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs becomes the first federal agency to require healthcare workers get vaccinated. And again, I made this point yesterday, but this is the split, right? If you're health conscious, if, if you are willing to think for yourself, if you're willing to stand up to and fight the corruption of the medical industry, you get pushed out of the official medical industry. So is this, oh, my gosh, I can't go to the VA now because everybody's at, no, obviously, that's not what I'm saying. It's just now when I go to the VA, like, like and, and I, you know, I as a veteran, I don't have a lot of faith in the VA, but I'll use it for limited things. Like, my, I get, I have allergies. I can probably hear it. Um, so I, I get some prescription meds that I used to, to manage my allergies through the VA. I've researched the meds. I know what they are. I get them for free. They come in the mail. I make a phone call or I go to appointment, whatever, and and, and I get my meds. Uh, and then I don't have to pay for them. You know, the, most of them are over the counter stuff anyway. Uh, they're they're the, like the prescription version of over the counter stuff, whatever. Uh, but if if I was trying to figure something out, uh, you know, and I need you know like I needed serious diagnosis. Like I would not go to the VA, you know, if I could avoid it, if I need a specific test, okay, we'll go to the VA. We'll get like, if I had a broken bone and I was like, Hey, I need this bone reset. I need a cast. VA can do that. Right. They're not going to chop the wrong leg off in that procedure. I'm not making that up. That's stuff that has happened at, at the VA. Uh, I mean, at VA, I'm not, I'm not singling out the VA. All modern hospitals go long enough. There are enough of these freak, occurrences like surgeon leaves a sponge or a tool in someone's abdomen and then sews them up like yeah that, that's happened uh, but now when i look at the va it's like okay it's one more level corrupt here now because there's no one here who is willing to stand up to the vaccine tyranny maybe maybe there was someone you know and I, again that's that, that's kind of a blanket statement 
but maybe, you know, maybe there are people who just are like, well, I want to keep working in the VA because I, I want to help people. And this is the best opportunity I have to, to, to help veterans. And so I'm going to, I'm going to play the medical or religious exemption card and I can keep working in the VA. Is there, to, to what extent does that apply? Who knows? We shall see. And whatever we would read, I, I, there's no point in me researching this because it's going to vary for individuals. And if there's anybody watching this who works at the VA, let me know. I'd be curious from an insider's perspective when they come down with these vaccine mandates. Do they say, you know, by the way, you can opt out here if you, you know, apply for a religious or, or medical or whatever exemption? Who knows? But now that they're saying the the vaccination is ineffective, so ineffective that oh well, variants, oh well, this, and, you know, and, and we have to throw everything we've got at it. Well, okay, you throw everything you've got at it. I'll hold on to my help. Montclair City employees who go maskless will have to wear stickers declaring vaccinations from Eyewitness News ABC7, California, Montclair. Excuse me, starting Monday, city workers who choose not to wear a mask must wear stickers that prove they are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. The city manager says the requirement is in line with California Division of Occupational Safety and health rules, but there has been some pushback on the new requirements. Some of the city's leaders want Montclair to hold off on mandating the vaccine over concerns that it might violate employees' privacy rights. And, and I'm, again, silver lining to all of this. I'm kind of glad that the issue is being raised with this. I mean, is it a fake pandemic? Is it a funky new flu that's out there? Um Sure, well, you call it whatever you want. You want to call it a pandemic, then, then you know, we have flu pandemics almost every year, right? Every bad flu season is, is a pandemic. So raising this issue of medical privacy at this point, I mean, it's a lot easier now than if there were like a real pandemic and we can say, where are these lines? How do we handle this in a way that respects individual self-ownership, respects at least the, the, the low American current standards for individual rights or you know, human rights. The Guardian, theguardian.com, COVID, more EU states to restrict venue access for unvaccinated people. Ireland and Italy, among those joining France and requiring vaccine passes to enter bars and restaurants. And again, the misplaced concern here is is just absolutely ridiculous. Like you're not you're not going to test people for, you know, uh, every other flu disease, for the cold, for uh, conjunctivitis, for hepatitis, for appendicitis, for HIV. You know, and I, I'm, I know those aren't all super transmissible diseases. You can't get appendicitis from looking at somebody with it, uh, even if they lick your face. You won't get appendicitis. Uh, but now, if you choose to not be vaccinated for this, and the thing, I mean, the other thing that's crazy about this is like, if the vaccines don't really work, then vaccines shouldn't be the test. It should be testing if you, for the virus itself, right? Allegedly, we're in the COVID mythology. Like that's the that's the challenge. Like, do you actually have COVID? Not did you get the vaccine? Because the vaccine just means you're less likely to have it. 
And the craziness of this, again, just to step back and put it in perspective, child molesters, rapists, thieves, murderers who have served their time and gotten out, politicians, have more rights than someone who chooses to not be vaccinated. So I don't know if I can, can I get a medical exemption sticker for situations like that? Or do I have to, like, is this, is this a new form of medical discrimination? And maybe, and I, I don't want to say it's entirely inappropriate, right? Hypothetically, if there was a real unique biological threat out there and we would say, like, we don't have a way to test, but if you got the vaccine, we can be 90% sure that you don't have it. And if you have a medical exemption or medical reason to not get the vaccine, that's cool, but you still can't come in here because there's a decent chance that you could be a carrier. And it, it But even then, it's like, well, you would be dead or in you know there's so many other problems with this and just gaps in the logic but here we go now to the actual effectiveness of at least one of the vaccines this from reuters via yahoo.com antibodies from sinovax covid19 shot fade after about six months booster helps study yeah okay uh yeah yeah <sighs> i told you so you're, you're gonna have boosters booster shots like annual flu vaccines right but the thing is that there, this isn't yeah and there, there's some interesting debate around this now I, i'm seeing at least about whether these the, the mrna vaccines are vaccines definitionally and the the dictionary definition has actually changed i i saw screenshots of this from miriamwebsters.com, what the definition of vaccine was February last year versus March last year, or was it this year? I think just this year they changed it to, to talk about the mRNA concept as a vaccine, whereas the traditional concept of a vaccine is we inject you with a harmless genetic fragment or piece of a disease. Your body builds an immunity based on responding to that without the threat of it becoming an actual uh, manifest disease in your body so what they're talking about now is they, they've expanded the definition of vaccine and it's like uh, maybe maybe you can just be you know you can be pro-vaccine and conceptually and still be against an experimental vaccine being pushed with lies from historically corrupt drug manufacturer pharmaceutical companies and in a situation where they've said we don't have any liability or if you're hurt by this or if something goes wrong. Uh, healthy disrespect, the test, they're using now tests for a wide array of flu viruses, including previous flu shot contents. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like I, I hesitate to blast that stuff uh, like front and center because I, I, I'm always – you know, intellectually cautious and, and, and sort of conservative when it comes to, you know, making statements based on, on limited data. And in, in this case, um, you can't say the test. We, we can say one of the tests that they were using that was out in a significant way has just been recalled for false positives, false negatives, and being unable to differentiate between COVID and other similar flu viruses. So that it's one of those things I don't want to jump to 
the tests do this or the tests. Oh, but there have been tests that have been recalled at this point that were in widespread use that gave significant false positives. So antibodies triggered by Cinevac Biotech's COVID-19 vaccine declined below a, a, a key threshold from around six months after a second dose for most recipients, although a third shot had a strong booster effect. So th this isn't really a vaccine in the traditional sense where you get exposed to something and then you generate the antibodies and then you're immune to it. This is a different type of vaccine or a new type of vaccine. If we're, we're talking about a, a shot designed to prevent you from getting, uh, you know, proactively from getting a disease. And these, these seem like some of the least effective. So among participants who received two doses, two or four weeks apart, only 16.9% and 35.2% respectively still had neutralizing antibodies above what researchers regard as a detectable threshold level six months after the second shot. So not even detectable. I mean, I, I know, yeah, there's all sorts of scientific caveats to what exactly, you know, detectable threshold level can mean. But uh, this is like I told you so. They're going to get you hooked up. And they've got people. I mean, they've got half of the population, at least, that has got. Should we do the Google search again? <laughs> okay. How many Americans have gotten vaccine? Uh, it's still at 49.7%. Still under 50% of the population fully vaccinated. So I say half the population knows better than it. We're going to be the control group. You can be the experiment group. We'll be the control group. And and this headline from CNBC now is, is really kind of disturbing as a measure of how much they've got people on the hook with this. Americans are mixing and matching COVID vaccines over concerns about the Delta variants. Some Americans say they are finding ways to get additional doses of the COVID vaccines, with some even going as far as receiving the extra shots from different companies. So this might suggest that actually the number of vaccinated people is a lot less than 50%. If you think about this, just occurring to me for the first time, because when they count vaccines, how many people vaccinated, they don't go, hey, did you get this vaccine from somewhere else too first? Because if people said that, a lot of them would not be qualified for the extra vaccine they're trying to get. How many people are double or triple vaxxed and then counted as 50% of Americans or 49.7% have gotten vaccinated? Maybe that number is a lot lower. Maybe the real number there. Uh, you know, might be closer to 25%. It could, if it's 25% vaccinated um, and, and just 10% of that 25%, not 2.5, but 10% of the population is, is triple vax. Well, now you're at 45%. You would look, it would look like 45% in the statistics. So I appeal to the audience here. How many people are double or triple vax in the United States? Do you have any such COVID idiots in your life? German Chancellor Angela Merkel received Moderna's shot in June after getting AstraZeneca's in April. Oh, so we have world leaders setting the example of getting double vaxxed. Italy is also allowing those under the age of 60 who received a first dose of AstraZeneca's vaccine to get a different shot 
when they get their second dose. South Korea said last month it would allow some 760,000 people to get different jabs because of shipment delays there. Wow. What a mess. What a mess. But there are some uh, people fighting back more than you would think, certainly as much as we are being censored. Uh, and, and by the way, just for a sidebar on that, the censorship, it's not just so that you, you know, you, the audience, can't find this show, can't find a voice that, that is cool, calm, and collected and challenging the mainstream narrative. Uh, but it's also keeping those of us in independent media censored from each other. And as, as much as there's a general sense of isolation right now, that's true within independent media. So, oh, Joey with a breaking story in our Producers Club. Trio of Senate Republicans urges Supreme Court to overrule Roe v. Wade. Wow. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Breaking. Not a big story. We'll see. Yeah, we'll probably come back to that one. Urges Supreme Court to overrule Roe v. Wade. Sounds like a distraction right now. Hey, with everything going on, let's debate abortion some more. The charlotteobserver.com or charlotteobserver.com the Charlotte Observer, as this headline, churchgoers with face masks will be removed. Tennessee pastor says, I'm sick of it. A Tennessee pastor threatened to boot mask wearers from his Tennessee church as some places are taking additional measures to help protect against the more contagious coronavirus Delta variant. If they go through round two and he starts showing up with all these masks and all this nonsense, I will ask you to leave, Pastor Greg Locke told his Nashville area congregation during a service on Sunday. I will ask you to leave. I am not playing those Democrat games, these Democrat games up in this church. Locke's comments at Global Vision Bible Church come as US, some U.S. communities consider reconsider face mask recommendations during the continued spread of the Delta variant. Locke in a sermon criticized officials for eyeing potential restrictions. As he said on a video on Facebook, I ain't playing these stupid games. A bunch of pastors talking about how much they want to see people heal, and they're afraid to baptize people because of a Delta variant. I'm sick of it. Yeah, they will be serving Frosties in hell before we shut this place down. Very interesting to see that Christians uh, are, are leading this with a more scientific approach than the statists, uh, the murder cultists, so to speak. Politico.com, what's COVID? Why people at America's hardest parting lake are not about to get vaccinated. At the Lake of the Ozarks, vaccines are shunned, masks are mocked, and the long-term consequences take a backseat to the time at hand. No, no, no. Long-term consequences. No, this is insane. And, and you know what? Screw you, Politico, for putting this twist in here. Who wrote this? Letter from Missouri from the magazine, Natasha Karecki. No, these are people who want to live well short-term and long-term and know that masks and vaccines are counterproductive to that. The petite blonde bartender in ripped jean shorts bounced to each side of a square-shaped bar as women in bikinis and shirtless men lined up on a swelter sweltering afternoon to order Bud Light, vodka, and soda, and piles of nachos at this dockside retreat in the Lake of the Ozarks region. 
in a county designated a COVID hotspot in a state with one of the lowest vaccination rates of the nation and in a region where hospitals are nearing capacity as the Delta variant takes hold. Aaron, a bartender at Backwater Jack's, couldn't be in a more vulnerable position. She interacts closely with hundreds of maskless customers. Sometimes on a single day, she knows most of them are probably not vaccinated. She doesn't care. She isn't either. She says, quote, I'm living, breathing proof. I've not been sick once. I've been as hands-on as you can be with people from everywhere. Like others who spoke for this article, she asked to go only by her first name. She said she'd heard a rumor common among vaccine skeptics, but also plainly false, that more people are dying from getting the vaccine this week. What is this anti-science propaganda from Politico? How do you not censor yourself? If more people are getting the vaccine, then more people are dying from getting the vaccine this week. Plainly false. No, this is true. This is happening. We're seeing these stories. And this is really simple. She said, personally, I feel like my immune system is doing a good job, so why pump it full of something that we don't really know what it is? Amen. And that's our COVID block for today. Let's see. Is our guest ready to go? We'll get to him just a little bit early if he is. Uh, Scott Zimmerman is backstage. Jim, you want to ping me on that? Um, or just, just get him up here. Can we go early to our guest? No, good to go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Scott Zimmerman running for governor of Nebraska because he believes that Nebraska deserves better. There's a great political platitude if I've ever seen one. But how could Nebraska, I mean, what did Nebraska do to deserve this? Really? Being part of the United States in 2021? How, what What fresh hell? I agree. Nebraska deserves better. Uh, Zimmerman describes himself, hardworking, middle class looking to represent real Nebraskans. And uh, he's former two-term chairman, most recently executive director for the Libertarian Party of, of Nebraska, certainly someone who's put his time in with the movement. Uh, he's been on the state central committee and uh, now running for governor of Nebraska. Uh, Scott, thank you for, for being with us this morning. It's a pleasure, Evan. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. So I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of making some dumb jokes based on your political platitude here, but sure. uh, is, it, is, it, is it too much? How would you describe when you say Nebraska deserves better? Um, what, what's the worst? If you want to you know, look at this, like, and I think this is a big part. I want you to like try to merge digging deep as a libertarian to, to properly analyze problems here while putting it in language that, that is appropriate to connect with the you know the average person in Nebraska, so when we say it deserves better, better than what? Sure, better than what we've currently had uh, over the last eight years, certainly, and uh, better than what we've had in my lifetime in Nebraska. Um, what we have here is in Nebraska is a very unique situation where we've got the western and the eastern parts of the state where the western part of the state is very rural agricultural based small town community based entrepreneurship based and then you have the eastern part of the state which is more commerce based more financial based uh, more opportunities and and the bigger metropolis is like omaha and what we have uh, is a situation of the elite or i prefer to call them the corrupt class of individuals that are in charge and doing their best and doing everything they can to ensure that their buddies are taken care of meanwhile the rest of the nebraskans voices are not heard and the concerns are not represented properly by the leadership of our state 
So as far as Nebraska is concerned, I think it's time for us to take the next step and and evaluating the the responsibilities and the role of the leadership in our state. And perhaps we need to consider uh, going with a original purpose of leadership in the state, and that's to serve the people they represent. And we don't have that. Well, Scott, I want I want you to take that that answer. That's that's great. I want to take it one one level. Uh, I, I think sort of sort of like more practical for people, you know, like and and sure. as libertarians, we have the tendency to do, to, to, to do the, the over the head, you know, intellectual stuff. And and I, I don't think what you I'm, I don't mean Nebraska voters are too stupid to understand what you just said. No, I'm not saying that, obviously. Um, but can you connect that to, you know, food on the table type issues? And, and, and I, I think. Especially, you know, in in a state like Nebraska, given the the rural nature, the way that people in the rural population are taken advantage of, not just by people in the in the metro population within the state, but but nationally, you know, you have uh, D.C. How much you know, when, when you grow corn in Nebraska, you know, how, how much of that is being taxed to go to feed D.C. to the warfare state, to the welfare state? to cops being militarized in your community you know can you connect those for the voters sure and and there's a lot of the tax structure in in nebraska is, is a is an antiquated structure system uh there's some tremendous opportunities for us to to cut red tape and get out of the way um, too often I hear from, from ranchers and farmers that the biggest problem they face is all the bureaucracy they have to go through to conduct their business. And being that agriculture is such a important part, or a, I would call it the backbone of Nebraska, uh, without that, we really don't have a lot going on. Um, Omaha's a smaller community. Lincoln's a college town. Uh, we really have to lean on and uh, get the government out of the way. What we've seen over the over the years is the swelling of uh, government uh, intrusion into the lives of people and and keeping them keeping the playing field uh, unfair. Uh, the corporate farms, the subsidy farms, those those are the farms that are, are given all of the benefits, and all the assets because they are benefiting the state government, the tax revenue system. Uh, the smaller farmers. The small business farmers, uh, unfortunately, they're losing the battle uh, because of the bureaucracy, all the red tape they have to go through to, to conduct business. Um, we spend a lot of money in our state um, on the prison system. Uh, we are currently at 151 percent of the prison population. By law, we're allowed to be at 140 percent of capacity. So Whoa. there's a yeah, there's a serious issue there. Why are we imprisoning so much of our population? Again, it comes back to an opportunity for us to repeal and peel back uh, some antiquated laws that don't truly represent what Nebraska needs. Oh, you're just one of those Republicans who smokes pot, aren't you? Probably. But but the reality of the situation is uh, I've, I, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a... I'm a man. My pronouns are he, him. Um, and I identify as a libertarian. Okay. Wait, hold on. I thought your pronouns were the bearded one. <laughs> the bearded uh, no, one. I want to put you on the spot with that, too, for a second here. Because, sure. uh, you know, they, they say a politician with a beard is hiding something. Sure. Uh, you seem to be hiding in plain sight here. Uh, it am. says back at your about page. I, I love this, by the way. I love this branding. Uh the about page on votezimmerman.com is uh, back the beard 
Zimmerman for governor. And I love that. Yeah, push, put it up to the camera a little closer there. Get him on full screen. And this, this is cool, you know, iconography, logo. I, as, as a graphic designer, I very much appreciate this. Um, but you know, th there is there is more to this than just, I'm a man, I got a beard, I look natural, or what have you. There's 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 something that you're actually communicating with the beard. Well, what is that? Absolutely, absolutely. So um, I like to call it the beard of wisdom, right? That's kind of <laughs> where it is. Uh, I I personally I like the way it looks. You know, um, this was something that was encouraged by my spouse. She's like, "Hey, let's grow this beard out. Let's see where it goes." And here we are. Now I'm stuck with it, so I can't go anywhere. So I might as well run with it. Um, back of the beard is um, a play on some of my my marketing and promotion background uh, where I like to do something catchy, something memorable. And I felt like Back the Beard was a true representation of, of me uh, pointing out some of the hypocrisy in the political structure. You know, the fact that I can come out and I, I can I can brand myself and I can I can show people that, hey, maybe we'll get some attention by something catchy, um, chanting back the beard, uh, big signs at the parades, those kind of things. People are commenting, uh, hey, when can I get a shirt? When can I get buttons? And so it's really kind of taken on a life of its own. And that was the mindset behind coming up with a, a logo like the back the beard, uh, Zimmerman for governor. Um, that uh, was uh, the, the mindset was so let's gain some attention uh, by giving them a logo or a brand they can back. You know, you, you can look at big corporations and you know a Pepsi can, you know a Coke can, you know sure, uh, sure. the Verizon logo. Well, guess what? Now we're going to know the back the beard logo. And that's the, that's the concept and the idea. So when they see that, I want them to be able to associate that with Zimmerman um, for governor. All right. Well, uh, I there are some critics uh, who would say that this is discriminatory against unbearded Americans and that, that unbearded Americans, women in particular, uh, who, who, uh, uh, most of whom can't grow beards. Uh, but no, there, there, there is something that you are communicating with it uh, that is inherently masculine and that is in contrast to the norm. And, 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 you know, as a veteran, it's like, you know, they wanted us shaved so that we were uniform. And, and there, there have been traditionally historically instances of, of men being forced to shave their beards as a means of submission and people mm -hmm. respond with the knowledge that a beard represents something in defiance of that. Does that, does that have any relevance here? Uh, I don't know. That. Again, I'm not intentionally being defiant with my beard. I just happen to like the way it looks. I have a, a stubby round face and just kind of elongates. It makes me look like a handsome <laughs> fella. Um, I just happen to like it. I, I'm not trying to make a, a true statement with it. Uh, but the reality of the situation is, you know, you look at that concept of um, the, the model politician. Right. You've got the suit. You've got the clean shaven. Uh, you've got the standing up on the podium, using the hand gestures. I'm not that guy. I'm just an everyday guy running for, for governor. I'm not a politician, uh, but some would argue that I am because I'm running for governor. So right. my concept, though, is, is more I want to take a different approach. I don't want to be cast in that typical politician mindset, which I know a lot of people struggle with in the in the in the libertarian community. They they want us to be professional and representative. They want us to play that libertarian LARPing uh, activity, you know, where we show up and we put on the suits and we and we play the game like everyone else is. And that's and I, I think we're 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 getting lost in the current 
of an old party system that is designed mm. to keep mm -hmm. keep us out. Uh, mm. So what we're able to do now is kind of break that mold and take a bypass around that system. And that's the, that's the idea. You know, right now you've got a two player game um, that have both controls on the game and they've effectively handed us uh, a controller that's not plugged in. Just like the, yeah. the, the, the sure. unfortunate little little brother syndrome or little sister syndrome, yeah. uh, where you think you're playing, but you're not. Uh, right. Well, guess what? I realize I'm not plugged in anymore, and I have to do something different. So I'm kind of taking a different approach to this. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, well, that's like really powerful and very much in line with our theme today and our, our comment contest questions about, you know, can you be libertarian and work for government? And, you know, I, wow. Um, I, I love what you said, though, that, that as showing up as the alternative to the two-party system. I think about all the debates that I've gone to as the libertarian or, you know, even political events where I'm reaching out to Republicans or Democrats. We don't want to show up and blend in and just be the weaker version of what they're already doing. We have to show up looking like the goddamn motherfucking pirates that we are and say, no, we are here to, to steal your crews because you are taking these ships in an evil direction. You have to, you, we, we want your people. We're here to recruit you away from the two party system. We are here to be a meaningful alternative and to, to rhetorically and visually represent that with a conscientiousness about what's effective, what's, what's reaching voters. Uh, I think combining that is, you know, being conscientious of that. It, it's very important. And when we nominate someone like Gary Johnson, who goes at who is the who is exactly that? I'm gonna be clean shaven, I'm gonna wear a suit and tie, I'm gonna be the weaker version of that. It it's it it is a misrepresentation about what this message really represents. So I want to give you a chance here to expound on on something that, that you put on your website here that sounds like more political platitude talk. But I want you to explain it in, in meaningful economic policy and show, uh, you know, that, that when we say, you know, we're the pirates coming here to steal your crews. You know, it's, it's because we understand economics better. It's because we want you to make more money as an individual. We want you to live better. Right. So you said uh, Scott Zimmerman will work to make Nebraska a leader in the nation for jobs, for education and for everyday living. Wait, you're not talking. I mean, it sounds like oh, oh, well, government jobs program, government education. That's not what you mean, is it? No. In fact, I mean the exact opposite of that. I mean, let's get the government out of the way. Let's cut the red tape and incentivize and allow opportunities for businesses to come to Nebraska and thrive. What we have here is we have an exodus of businesses. We lost one of our biggest employers in the state, ConAgra, to Chicago. They picked up and, and moved. Now, that's a political movement, in my opinion. I have no proof of that. Uh, but that was a political movement. That was a political decision made by the leadership of Nebraska to allow that to happen with relatively little fight to keep those jobs here in the state. And what we have, uh, Adam, is we've got, uh, literally, we have an exodus of the young workforce in our state because they pick up and they move. They go elsewhere for these these opportunities and these jobs. And what we have is a situation where uh, the the I, again, I call them the corrupt class, the rich people, the elite people in our state that are currently holding all of the strings um, are doing everything they can to just keep things as the status quo. In fact, we've actually continued to drop backwards. Uh, there's no relative concern for um 
of encouraging these people. Maybe it's good to go and, and live in Denver for a while. Maybe it's good to go live in Phoenix for a while or, or Boise or wherever you want to pick up and go. I don't mean to uh, discriminate against the East Coast. I just prefer the West Coast, you know. But um, it's it's okay to do those things. Uh, but it also should be uh, an opportunity for those people. If they, if they want to, they can return to the environment in Nebraska and have those same opportunities. So when you talk about political rhetoric or, or political talk, political speak, um, I'm kind of trapped. Like I kind of have to do those things. Uh, but from an economic standpoint, um, we have dropped the ball on jobs growth in our state. We have uh, effectively... Uh, kept anything new from coming here, uh, new and exciting since the days of TD Ameritrade showing up. And that was a couple of decades ago. So uh, what we have is, is, a, is an opportunity um, as Nebraska leaders to, to step out of the way and maybe pick up the phone and talk to some of these people and find out why they are not, why these businesses are not coming to Nebraska. Why are they not looking at Nebraska and then affect change in our government policies and our regulations that open up those opportunities for those, those businesses to come to Nebraska. Um, we, we have a strong work ethic here. We're very well known for our work ethic in Nebraska. Um, and the unfortunate nature is we're losing all that work ethic, that integrity, uh, that respect, that work ethic. We're losing that to other, other regions of the country where I don't necessarily know that those people are being valued for what they, what they could be. And I think they could be more of a value here in Nebraska. Do you have a day job, Scott? I do. I do. But I'm not really allowed to talk about it, uh, but it's relevant to uh, what you guys. I can't lead with it. I'm an educator. Uh, I am. So you guys were talking earlier today about can you be a libertarian and work for the government? And the answer is yes, you can. In fact, I feel like I have more of a responsibility as an educator to provide opportunities for my students to expand their vision beyond just this and this and what the system is and and allow them the opportunity give them the information and allow them the opportunity to draw their own conclusions and typically what i'm finding is those students do draw the right conclusions most of the time um a lot of it they're influenced by their their environment at home they're influenced by the political mentalities of the folks they're around uh but but nine times out of ten i find uh, most students are in a position to uh, at least think critically enough to draw their own conclusions when it comes to uh, government's role in our life. My job is to provide the facts. Their job is to provide the conclusions. So That sounds like an awesome angle. Why can't you lead with this? Tell us about, I mean, can, can you, it's my contract. I mean, I know as a voter, you know, I'm looking at your about page and going like, well, where, where, where's, where's this stuff about, you know, your day job and, and how you live? So well, what kind of educator? Uh, what's that? So what kind of educator and why can't you lead with sure. this? I teach at elementary school in a public school system. Um, and it's part of my uh, contract agreement. There's strict policies in place with the district that uh, provide me very detailed guidelines on what I can and I can't do. I can't use my classroom as a resource for campaigning. I can't do pictures of my classroom. Really? I, I can't come out and say, hey, I'm a I'm a teacher for XYZ school. I can't lead with those things. Um, I am I'm an educator. Uh, I came into this industry late in life. I've been this is my third year uh, coming into into education. And honestly, I love it. I love what I'm able to do. And well, maybe I, I, I want to go back for a second to this 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 point of of not being able to talk about this directly, openly, based on your contract, because you're, you're and, and I want to say that to anybody who wants to be 
an educator in the vein or in the venue of what government schools are doing, there's nothing wrong with taking that government job because they've got this monopoly. If you want to work in that way, it's the only, it's sort of like if you want to be a surgeon, not if you want to heal people, not if you want to help people, but if you want to be a surgeon, you got to check a certain number of government boxes. If you want to be an educator, you want to be you know, a teacher at, at, at the elementary school level, odds are you're going to have to take a government job to, in, in order to have that. But uh, th- this idea of you being sort of uh, restricted, I mean, lawyers aren't ever barred from, you know, pictures with them with their law firm and running for office or, you know, any, anything like that. And it, it, you would think that you it, they would want professional educators. They would want government teachers. If they actually, if government cared about education, they would encourage teachers to have more of a voice in politics, not less, not have you, you know, have to bury it. So you're, is it okay? You can talk. If I ask you to talk about this, you can, but you cannot, you are contractually barred from proactively pointing out that you're, a government teacher. I can't lead wow. with it. I can't lead with it. Wow. Um, so I'm lucky enough, Adam, to have a community, a school that I work within that's very supportive and very encouraging of this run for governor. Um, so I have uh, uh, a school administrator that's that's got my back. She's she's looking out for me. And uh, her biggest concern when she first heard that I was I was running for governor was make sure you follow the policies uh, because they don't want me to lose my job. Mm. You know, yeah. and those policies are in place and you can see uh, why some of those policies are in place because you can see how a greasy politician. Uh, I know that's kind of a, you know, putting two words together that mean the same thing. Uh, yeah, right. But a greasy politician can go in there and really manipulate the system. You know, you could see how that could be taken advantage of. Um, so I get it. I respect that. I don't feel honestly, I don't feel like their expectations and what they've asked me um, is that unrealistic and um, unfair. Uh, I am a con- Scott, I am a- Scott. No, no, it's unfair to the voters. Oh, it is. It, it, I mean, it, you can you can say that the administrators communicating this to you have been respectful and and reasonable, but the policy is not. The policy is is and, it, and it's, it, this is a small thing to to harp on, right? Of all of all That's the great. evils of our system, you know, but. It, it's almost a technicality, but it's a very important one because it distorts the political conversation. And it means that teachers on the ground, their credentials are less relevant in politics and you are, your voice is minimized compared to what it could be. And the credibility of being a government teacher and the lessons from that are kept out of the American political conversation. And this is such a minor thing. I almost feel like I'm exaggerating with those kind of blanket statements, but like you don't even have it on your website. I'm an educator. Maybe you can clip this interview and this is how you sneak it in. And I mean, like maybe there's some way to turn this against them. Maybe there's some, you know, some, you know, more clever campaign than what they're capable of in suppression and saying, you know, have, have people follow you around at events with signs pointing, big arrows pointing to your head saying, he's a teacher. <laughs> so everybody <laughs> else can talk about it, but not me. <laughs> Yeah. Is, is, there, is there, if if more of your coworkers, I mean, I don't want you to play this libertarian fantasy game of, oh, yeah, every teacher in America is secretly libertarian. But if, if government teachers had more of a voice in American politics, 
what how do you think that would change the the face of american education uh so i think if we if we legitimately heard uh from the educators that we work with they they want to see less government standardization in the classroom and more flexibility and freedom to educate the children where they are i think that we would we would see i think we're seeing a uh a movement uh trend in educators uh kind of opening their eyes to the bureaucracy of the system upon which uh, we currently operate. with. Again, in my current environment, I see a, a fantastic team of individuals that all have the one number one rule, which is always look out for the student's best interest. They have that in mind, but that's not true across the world. Across, I'm sorry, across the nation. You hear horror stories all the time about school systems failing and, and doing all these things just to keep their metrics and their standardization of their education in place. Uh, I think the deeper we go, I think, uh, in fact, the, the divisive nature of the, the previous administration to our current administration, what we're seeing is, is these people are now kind of getting a taste of reality and understanding how important it is to have truth in our education process and providing uh, just, again, a direct education uh, versus uh, a standardized scripted education. That is huge. And, uh, you know, one, one of the things that, uh, you know, my sort of libertarian fantasy of mine goes to is a world of unschooling, you know, mm -hmm. and, and this is my frustration, you know, supporting the, the, the government school system at all is that it's cemetery row seating. It's, it's drilling, it's teaching kids, you know, what to think rather than how to think it's, it's got the fundamental problems, but to think of this as, as, as an, an obvious reform, Hey, let's give teachers the freedom to customize their lesson plans and their educational experience for their children in the classroom. Like, yeah, it's, it's so obvious and, and, and has such potential for major national reform. So sure. Uh, finally, one big, big subject, you know, you're running for governor of Nebraska and, and I know for every libertarian, it's a compromise. I know we'd rather have a system where we don't need a governor at all. We're not there yet. We're not at that level of decentralization. Nope. But in terms of your relationship with the federal government, you're not running on a secession platform. Um, I assume that you would at least commit to if the, if there was a significant secession movement in Nebraska, you would allow it to be heard and come to a vote and a referendum in ways that another state has been vastly suppressed. Um, but there is there is a significant amount of tension already between uh, really all you know, rural and agricultural oriented states in this country and the federal government. How do you think as governor of Nebraska, you would change the relationship between the state and the federal government? Um, you know, so Adam, I, I view my responsibility and my role as governor of Nebraska is to effectively protect uh, the rights and the freedom of my citizens, of the people that are, are living in our state. Um, and at any avenue that I feel like the federal government is overstepping their bounds, I would resist those uh, initiatives. I would uh, resist those and effectively cause Nebraska to be a sanctuary state in most cases. Um, again, uh, it, it depends on the situation. I, you know, people always ask me, where do I stand on the issues? Uh, I always say on my own two feet, that's where I start with. Uh, but the reality of the situation, you have a responsibility as a leader of a state to make the decisions uh, that are right. Uh, and the people trust you to make the decisions that are right for them. 
And in order to do that, you have to you have to listen to these people. You have to be around. You have to be connected to these people. You can't be the untouchable politician, uh, mm. which is effectively what you have. You've got these people that live in the ivory, ta- ivory tower, and they're not effectively listening to the the little guy's fight, the little woman's fight, who the little man, you know, the the middle class, the working class, the the productive class, are not truly being represented in, in these situations, um, and it becomes a political. Um, uh, movement, uh, decisions are politically motivated. So you mm. look at what, you know, you look at, okay, so our governor was a big Trump guy. So all the decisions he made uh, regarding uh, the Trump, he just followed, he just fell in line. He just fell in line. Whatever they're doing, that's what we're doing. Um, there were some things maybe were right. Some things were probably not. Uh, but the reality of the situation is you, it, politics over people is a major problem in the current system. You've got a game being played with with our lives where you've got individuals that are so severely disconnected from the reality of life that they don't know what's going on. We've got uh, people in Congress that have been in Congress my entire life. Do you think things have changed in the last 47 years? Absolutely. How are these individuals still? Well, because they have the money. They've got the name recognition. They know how to play the game. They are part of that two-player system. Um, so as governor of Nebraska, I would do everything I can to prevent the federal government to creating any more, uh, overburden on our citizens to keep them, uh, keep the red tape at bay, uh, and to ensure that the citizens of Nebraska are, are free, if not freer than they are today. Well, very well said, Scott. The website is votezimmerman.com. Let's get that up here on screen. You can see the use of the logo with the beard, back the beard. I love it. Um, I wish there was a way for you to say, you know, back to, to stand with teachers. You know, uh, sure. it, I think I, I think that calling that out, though, I, you know, really, I, I, I hope your your team considers some kind of visual gimmick to point this out because they they put this weird kind of, uh, you know, chokehold on you to say, no, you can't say that you can't you, even who you are. I mean, being a teacher is 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 core to who you are as a person. And, you know, I, while I have huge problems with the government school system, as we know it today, with government interfering in that right to an educator and an educated, you know, having that direct connection and freedom in that connection to, to share knowledge and wisdom with what's most useful for them rather than what's useful for the government that's passing down some, some curriculum from on high, man, uh, I, I, I think that's huge, and 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 I, I hope that your team, uh, you know, can can figure out a way to leverage that that you know protects your job from that legal liability. So Scott, thank you so much for doing this for all your work for the LP. Uh, any final thoughts or anything you'd want to say to the voters in Nebraska? Uh, the voters in Nebraska, you know, you guys, you guys have seen me. I've been out and about. I'm I'm touring the state. I'm hitting all the smaller towns. I'm meeting people where they are. And if anything, that's that's my way of, of showing you that I want to represent you uh, with integrity, with compassion, with respect. I want to be mindful of the needs of everyday Nebraska, not just a few. Um, again, I'm not running for governor for me. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it for for you, uh, for for the people around me that I I feel like honestly deserve better representation at, at the state level. I think we have an opportunity to to again become leaders in our nation. If if not anything, uh, 
during my time as governor, maybe we'll start the course for setting the example of how an effective, um, and I know that's again, another oxymoron when I say effective governments because of the situation we're in, um, but how effective a government can be when you peel it back to its true purpose, uh, which is to ensure the constitutional rights of its citizens. And that's what it that's what it needs to be focused on. So that will be every step of process, every decision I make. I'm always going to ask myself, does this benefit the rights of the people? And if the answer is no, I'll probably veto it. I'll probably get rid of it. Beautiful. Scott, thanks so much for joining us. The website, votezimmerman.com. Sign up. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you, Adam. All right. Let's get to some headlines and some callers. Uh, so we've got, uh, let's get Jim. Sorry. I'm getting texts about, um, my mom's situation here. It's a little distracting. Uh, but we got 30 minutes to go on the show. Let's take some callers. And this is, this is as much for me to be able to say, I told you so on Twitter because like we had someone calling me uneducated and I said, well, uh, you want to, Hey, are you a real person? Are you not a bot? Why don't you come on my podcast? We'll take callers. And, and she, she said, uh, I don't even know what your show is. So I responded, sounds like you need some education. Uh, and and uh, so, so hopefully she'll be calling in. We'll see. Jim's going to get that link into the the comments, wherever we see it. If you're not, if you're not one of my COVID Twitter friends, uh, there it is. There's the link to StreamYard. Click on that. You come on backstage. You can come in with or without video. Um, I want to say, well, you got to have, you got to have, your mic off too, but this is a podcast. So unless you're like doing sign language that I can narrate, no, you got to at least have your mic on. Uh, don't be scared, says Joey Lee on Twitch. Yeah, well, we got a lot of scared people on uh, on Twitter. Someone call in, Moose Girl. All right, let's get to a couple of headlines while we're waiting for someone to get plugged in here. Business Insider, Insider uh, at businessinsider.com. Uh, a man used AI to bring back his deceased fiance. But the creators of the tech warn it could be dangerous and used to spread misinformation. Anything that we don't like now, it's misinformation and it could hurt you. So we're going to censor it because you can't think for yourself. A man used artificial intelligence to create a chat bot that mimicked his late fiance. The groundbreaking AI technology was designed by Elon Musk's research group, OpenAI. OpenAI has long warned that the technology could be used for mass information campaigns. That's the, I guess the danger is that online spamming, but we're already there. You don't need AI for this. Although I guess AI takes it to the next level because the AI can be used to generate artificial personalities that go along with these artificial profiles that might be sock puppet accounts being controlled by, you know, one asshole at the NSA or the CIA or the FBI or uh, a private company even running some misinformation campaign online. Up next from the balance.com Mercedes from Nebraska shared this in our uh, producers club chat. Interesting story worth taking a second to step back. This is not a, a news current event story. This is from April uh, 7th of this year. The balance.com U S debt to China. How much reasons why, and what if China sells? The U.S. debt to China was $1.1 trillion in January this year. That's more than 15% of the $7 trillion in treasury bills, notes, and bonds held by foreign countries. 
The rest of the $28 trillion national debt is owned by either the American people or by the U.S. government itself. China has the second greatest amount of U.S. debt held by a foreign country in January 2021. Japan topped the list, owning $1.28 trillion. So there's a lot more to untangle this. I don't think, uh, oh, let's see. Uh, the last part of this is, is worth sharing. China's debt holder strategy is working. China's low-cost competitive strategy worked. Its economy often grew more than 10% for the three decades before the 2008 recession. And in 2019, it grew at 6.1%, a more sustainable rate. China has become the largest economy in the world, outpacing the U.S. and the European Union. China also became the world's biggest exporter in 2009. China needs this growth to raise its long, its low standards of living. For these reasons, expect China to continue to be one of the world's largest holders of U.S. debt. And I don't, I don't know if that really explains it all. I, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot more to this. Uh, you know, we could dedicate an entire episode to this, uh, to looking at the American debt, the U.S. federal government's debt, the debts of China. Uh, why? And it's like the, the subtitle here is "Why China is America's." biggest banker be more like how did the united states government trick all these other governments into giving it money it seems more like the dollar empire protection racket is is at play here than these kinds of economic justifications we missed this one yesterday as well from afp at yahoo.com pollution Turns Argentina Lake bright pink. And uh, Jim, I'm watching Telegram to see if we have any callers here. Um, whether you're one of my Twitter trolls or not, you're welcome to call in. Uh, a lagoon in Argentina's... Oh, what the heck? Did this Yahoo just refreshed away from the page? That's annoying. A lagoon in Argentina's southern Patagonia region has turned bright pink in a striking... But frightful phenomenon experts and activists blame on pollution by a chemical used to preserve prawns for export. The color is caused by sodium sulfite, an antibacterial product used in fish factories whose waste is blamed for contaminating the Chubut River that feeds the Corfu, Corfu Lagoon and other water sources in the region. Residents have long complained of foul smells and other environmental issues around the river and lagoon. Those who should be in control are the ones who authorize the poisoning of people. Uh, this doesn't really make sense. The lagoon turned pink last week and remained in the abnormal color on Sunday, said Lada, who lives in the city of Trilu, not far from the lagoon and some 870 miles south of Buenos Aires. Environmental engineer and virologist Federico Restrepo told AFP the coloration was due to sodium sulfite in fish waste, which by law should be treated before being dumped. The lagoon, which is not used for recreation, receives runoff from the Trello Industrial Park and has turned the color fuchsia before. But now, residents are fed up. It's about time. But what I want to point out here that makes this interesting, aside from the horrific nature of the pollution, is the cause behind it. This is uh, used to preserve prawns for export, but also uh, it's a color. Um, and I don't know if this is the same one that I've read about before, excuse me. But a lot of what you, when you buy fish, like salmon, salmon is not supposed to be that pink. 
that's often food coloring that's used in the processing of a lot of fish. So it's because people want it to look a certain way. And I mean, again, just stop eating meat. This is this is one of the horrific environmental side effects, not just from eating meat, but from eating meat in a stupid way. From eating way, like again, when you thoughtlessly buy meat at the grocery store, you're buying meat that's full of antibiotics, hormones, all sorts of other nonsense, industrial crap that has stuff like this as, as the side effect. When you when you're buying fish and it's colored or it's got preservative or whatever, as opposed to being fresh, just being unconscious about this, it's it's causing stuff like this to happen. Now, there's all sorts of other you know libertarian solutions to how you deal with this pollution at the local level rather than saying, well, we need to get everybody to be more conscientious consumers. <laughs> that's that's a bit of a tall order. But in terms of environmental accountability, tort reform, holding and polluted, polluters accountable is only possible when they are damaging property that is owned by someone. If the government owns this lake and they pollute it, all they have to do is buy off politicians. There's no ability for someone affected by this to sue them. But if the local community owns this lake, if the people own their homes, they own the land around it, and they have a government that says, well, yes, if you damage someone's property, you're going to be held accountable, then this goes away. This is no longer a problem. So basic, basic reforms. Uh, again, if you want to call in, we got the link in the description. We got a little over 20 minutes of the show. Although let's take this chance to uh, to check in with Steve, our co-host, before we get back to the headlines, Steve Remus from Tucson. How you doing? Good comments today? I haven't no. seen that, man. No, none. Like zero. zero. I, I, think, I think everybody's, I think everybody's, I think everybody's scared. <laughs> so scared. Everybody's scared. <clears throat> or, or we all work for the government and we don't <laughs> want to admit it. Yeah, no, a couple good comments from Mr. T on Twitch. Remember when they burned down the Amazon, though? And then uh, about their cattle. Yeah. 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 Um, we grass slash hay feed hours. I don't know what they do after the auction. So that's that's awesome, but that's the minority. I mean, of, of meat in grocery stores, how much of it is is clean meat? No, not. So so I'm lucky because the, the university here, uh, the U of A, uh, they have a farm here <laughs> and, and they, they have, like, I can go and butcher with them and get my own fresh meat <laughs> so like not everybody not everybody has that right not everybody can go and be like oh you have you had to you have to butcher a cow you know like can i you know can i can i participate and do this and you know uh not everybody has a farm next to them so these big cities like the rest of tucson uh, even you folks shopping at sprouts and whole foods guess what all right. Guess what, guys? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I don't want to say that the vegetable, like you said, you don't have a choice if you're going to, but well, you do have a choice. Yeah. And, and at very least, yeah, of all, I mean, you go to a grocery store. I'm not like against grocery stores. Okay. You know, just because I don't want government to pay for them just doesn't mean I'm against grocery stores. Uh, but no, being a conscientious consumer just as a matter of for your health. What can you get at a grocery store that's healthy and what isn't? And you look at if, if it's if you want to be a meat eater, that's your choice. I don't agree. I think it's wrong to kill animals for pleasure. If you think it's necessary for you to be healthy, 
at very least, look at what you're buying when you go to the grocery store and go, oh, shit, this meat has poison in it. This meat is not something. And the same thing with fish. And this is, man, you want you want to hear a libertarian whine about environmentalist shit. We fucked up the fish. Like you can't like there's too much mercury in the oceans in like everything that you cannot eat fish except sparingly now without risk of mercury toxicity. What the fuck? Like really, really people? Yeah, we crossed that point years ago and it's sad, but that's the reality. Like you can eat fish and fish is like, you know, relatively clean in the sense that it's not, you know, unless it's farm raised and they're feeding it, you know, crap. But if it's, if it's caught in the wild, like, and this is difference with fish versus cattle and all other meat, right? Is that if it's caught in the wild, at least, you know, it's not been on some, you know, government mandated hormone antibiotic injection program its whole life, but it's got too much mercury in it. You can't just eat fish all the time. Otherwise that mercury is going to start piling up in you. And, you know, so I, I'll, you know, I, I don't eat fish anyway, but shellfish being a lot less of a problem in this. Uh, but now when it comes to vegetables, you know, well, we go to the grocery store. What can you get safely there? Yes, it's still be- like nothing with high fructose corn syrup, which eliminates like half of the processed food <laughs> in, 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 in the average grocery store. Yeah. So no high fructose corn syrup, no meat full of hormones and, and antibiotics and shit like that. If it's fish, it's got to be sparingly. Right. And then you go and look at, OK, ve- fruits and vegetables. Right. OK, so you go go eat whole fruits and vegetables when you go get produce at the grocery store even then guess what we fucked that up too like i'm not trying to be like oh just eat vegetables and you'll be fine no we fucked that up too first of all you gotta rinse everything because you don't know what it's been sprayed with you take it home from the grocery store gotta rinse it no but also when it's mass-produced agriculture like that it's also from leached soil as in nutrient leached so when you when that you know, you that cucumber that you expect to have a certain amount of nutrients in it, it might be missing like an entire segment or, you know, these vitamins or these minerals are just not. So you could eat a perf, perfect vegan diet, but if you get it from the grocery store and you're not growing stuff yourself out of what you know is rich, whole soil, you can't even count on that food being as nutritious nutritious as it should be or would be in a state of nature, you got to add vitamins on top of that. That's why I think at very least, a, a, you know, a multivitamin should be, you know, unless unless you're growing all of your own food and you've done the nutritional research, you know you have a perfectly complete nutritional profile, take a multivitamin and know that you're getting that. That's that's my rant on vitamins. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I sort of... You know, one of my buddies, he's got his own farm. He's got his own animals. Um, and that's great. And that's, you know, where I'm hopefully eventually heading at some point when the housing market does whatever it needs to do to make houses more affordable again. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's it's I, I'm lucky enough to live in a part like right on the cusp of a big city or I guess a medium-sized city in Tucson. But like I said, the U of A has a farm. It's a, it's literally a quarter mile from my house. They have their own meat market. You can go there. You can learn to butcher your own food. You can do all this stuff, right? 
like, you know, you go there and you just buy the stuff that they already butcher. That's great too. You know, but some people go there and I'll be there when they're there and they're like, wow, this is kind of expensive. I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> it kind of has to be guys. Like, you know, they don't have, they don't have the external like pumping of, you know, millions of thousands, you know, millions of dollars to like send meat all over the city or the state. So it's really local and you can drive by the farm and see all the animals. You can see what they eat. You can see how they're treated. You know, it's, 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 I feel lucky to live in this part, right? There's other parts of the city where I'm like, nope, not, I'm not going anywhere near there. Well, they trick you into thinking that eating fast food and and grocery store meat and microwave meals and frozen crap like that that that's excuse me that's easier that like you can't afford it and they trick you into get into that you know typical mainstream American diet with the temptation of it's easier it's cheaper it's more convenient but then you go well really look at the long term costs yep. is is heart disease convenient is cholesterol and blood pressure and, and, and all sorts of like obesity and, and long-term health consequences. Are those issues fast and cheap and convenient? No, they're not. And you have to put in a little effort to be more conscientious in, in what you're eating from, from the, uh, from the get go rather than kicking the can down the road. So with that rant out of the way, Steve, get out of the screen. We're going to do one more headline block and bring it back on to pick a contest winner. I don't know what it is. Best comment today. If you want to call in, uh, we're holding the lines open for a few minutes. Oh, Ed is backstage. Ed wants to call in today. It's early. We'll get back. Ed is going to be covering for me on Thursday while I'm flying back from San Juan Island. Ladies and gentlemen, Ed Vallejo. From the Lanai, how the hell are you? Ah, uh, beautiful. It's good to be virtually home for a second. <laughs> it's a gorgeous day today. Just like yesterday, I was afraid it was going to rain again yesterday, but it didn't. And it's just, you see those clouds in the back? They're all white. That means there's no rain in them, which I'm glad of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Joy, tried to do, Joy tried to do laundry yesterday, and uh, she only made it halfway out and had to turn around and come back. But there she is down there. Oh, all right. Thanks. Hey, Ed, what do you have planned for the show Thursday? Thursday, yeah, you know what? It's just between me and the FBI, okay? <laughs> oh, oh, all right, all right, we'll see. And we'll they've say been, hi to all the fur babies for me. You know, they've been, I'm sure they've got something to do with what's screwing with me and my phone. My phone does not act the same way as it did before I gave it to them. Okay, it, I, I don't have reception in the same spot that I used to do the show from the trailer. I can't I can barely get reception in the trailer now. I have to come up on the line to do just about anything The the powers that be. If you don't play ball and you don't answer their questions, they'll do whatever they can to jam you up. I noticed that that uh, some of the alt stuff that I watch, you know, if they get a little bit sensitive in the areas of what they're discussing all of a sudden it the it drops out and i don't get reception and i have to restart my phone by the time i'm done he's they're done with that conversation and they're off to something else but it's hinky man 
Yeah, so this is is in the realm of actual conspiracy theory. But we're looking at facts and theorizing as to what explains these facts. And I think you're really right to point this out, Ed, because I've had enough experience. And by the way, great Ernie Hancock shirt, love not war there. And that's 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 also love as in Ernie Hancock, war as in Wayne Allen Root. Love not war. (laughs) What kind of libertarian brags about their initials? spelling war uh but anyway we look at these a son of a butcher (laughs) (laughs) we look at these little you know technical glitches and i i'm hoping that that there are enough normies recognizing that there's a pattern there i think they i think they're starting i think i wasn't being too like optimistic because i have a tendency to do that uh, you know, because life is so fucking awesome and the world is such an incredible place, it's hard not to be optimistic. But when you when you when you have the, this the, these technical glitches that happen, see and 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 you know, being aware of our own biases, at some point you got to go. Is there a pattern here? There's a pattern here. That's okay. You know, it works both ways because when I get pissed, I put my my phone on Alex Jones and InfoWars, and I set it up on the ledge, and I go out and work for about two or three hours. <laughs> Joey liked that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ed. We look forward to having you on Thursday. Thanks so hey. much for calling in, sir. All right, Love so back you, to the headlines. Sorry. All right. Back to the headlines. We got a couple here from Facebook. We missed this one yesterday, too. DNYUZ.com. Facebook wants you to connect with God on Facebook. And actually, this is really interesting because it's about a church, Sam Collier, the pastor uh, with uh, the the mega church Hillsong in Atlanta. Um, And he was looking to do work with Facebook and figuring out how to have a virtual church. And I think it's it's kind of ironic. Um, I mean, there's so many ironic you know, cross dynamics here and like, wait, technology that leads people to be less superstitious and tends to make people more atheist than Christian is now being used as the ultimate platform to build a church community during a pandemic when still most Christians in America have at least fallen for the general COVID rhetoric. Uh, while there's a lot of great Christian defiances we've covered, yet when I see this, I mean, wow. Um, as he said, they are teaching us, we are teaching them. Together we are discovering what the future of church could be on Facebook. Scary possibility. Now, skipping ahead, we got a couple censorship stories, uh, but one of them is direct, directly related to Facebook. Uh, Jim, it's the Reuters, news.trust.org. Facebook and tech giants to target attacker manifestos, far-right militias in database. A counterterrorism organization formed by some of the biggest U.S. tech companies, including Facebook and Microsoft, is significantly expanding the types of extremist content shared between firms in a key database aiming to crack down material from white supremacists and far-right militias, the group told, told Reuters. It's like when they say we're going to uh, you know, censor in the name of fighting terrorism uh, attacker manifestos, far-right militias, terrorists, what they really mean is we're eventually going to expand the definition of militia 
to include any American with a gun. Because you said that, remember? You crazy gun nut people. You said that the militia, the Second Amendment, protects every American's right. Every American with a gun is part of a, of a militia. So, yeah, we have to go after you. This is out there. This is their excuse to censor. Uh, similar story from also Reuters. Uh, Jim, this is Yahoo.com. PayPal to research transactions that fund hate groups and extremists. Now, remember, Facebook already said that if you're a libertarian, inherently, you're an extremist. So hate groups are now being used as the excuse to say, we're going to cut you out of the monetary system. All the more reason to push into crypto, to get functionality going in crypto, and to engage in that fully as, as activists to say, like, we need this now as a backup, because if you hate the government, you're a hate group. You're an extremist. We're going to cut you out of PayPal. From Huffington Post, Surgeon General, there's no value in locking people up for marijuana use. Senate Democrats last week introduced legislation that would decriminalize it at the federal level. Finally, finally, we're getting some possible actual progress on this. And when the Surgeon General comes out, it's not like I go, oh, that's so great. You're so right. It goes, I, I think, well, you've been so fucking wrong this entire time. You're just proving that you that, that you you care more about politics than the truth. You care more about serving your political masters and the political situation than you do about science and actual public health. Another story, uh, Mercedes shared to the Producers Club this morning. Uh, kind of a step back, get some perspective on, although this is uh, a little, this is from so this is from January 11th of last year. UN peacekeeping has a sexual abuse problem. Surprise, surprise! A Haitian woman was selling charcoal on the empty edges of her small town when a white uniformed UN peacekeeper officer, a peacekeeper, offered her a lift in his marked vehicle. He raped her shortly after she got in, as she said, "I could not fight back." When I interviewed her in 2016, more than four years after the rape, quote, I felt outside of my body like it had not of all my senses. After we talked, she introduced me to her daughter, conceived from the rape. The four-year-old had notably paler skin and hair than Badao. Uh, that's the pseudonym she's taken here. I just tell people it's none of their business when they look at her funny. Though Badao loves her daughter unconditionally, the young mother's depression deepened. Whenever the girl complained of hunger. Oh, because the peacekeepers weren't there to feed people. More imperialism. Interesting examination of that policy. If you want to get more into that, check out the show notes at t.me slash Adam versus the man for our Telegram channel. DNYUZ.com. Why beekeeping is booming in New York. A hive is a box of calm. Not for people who are afraid of bees. Uh, I thought this was a cool story to know because my dad is getting into bee beekeeping now at his home in Wyoming and has uh, a bunch of really cool boxes and has been bragging about that to the family. Very cool. And he goes in and checks them uh, without protective gear and says he's been stung once and it's not a big deal for him. Uh, in April 2020, during the height of the pandemic, in New York, a delicate rescue mission took place. Andrew Cote and three colleagues wearing heavy-duty masks and gloves rode an elevator, climbed two sets of stairs and struggled up a 20 feet vertical metal ladder to the roof of an empty building in Midtown. There, they retrieved 450-pound boxes of hundreds of thousands of agitated bees 
transported them to the street, loaded them onto a pickup truck with others from neighboring rooftops. They were then spirited away to their new home in Queens. So there's a bunch of rescue bees as, a, as an issue now. Very interesting. Uh, from the U.S. Sun, shooting for the moon, Jeff Bezos offers NASA $2 billion in exchange for a moon contract for Blue Origin to land astronauts in space. Like, wait a second. You're paying government for... Uh, uh, yeah. We're going to have to come back to this on Good News Friday, talking about the state of space exploration. Finally, finally, you thought that by driving for Uber and Lyft, you could be an independent contractor, avoid some taxes and regulations? No, not at San Francisco. They'll find a way to get you. The tax man coming. Fox 5 New York with this story. San Francisco, considering congestion tax on high-earning drivers. The San Francisco, County, San Francisco County Transportation Authority is once again eyeing attacks on drivers in the busiest parts of the city's downtown and has launched a study into a so-called congestion pricing plan as traffic begins to pick up following 2020's pandemic-induced lull. While the pricing plan is still three to five years from being hammered out and requires the approval of both San Francisco's Board of Supervisors and California's legislature, the SFCTA already has an idea of how hard the potential fees might hit commuters and tourists. So all three scenarios being considered would charge a $6.50 fee to enter the congested pricing zones during weekday rush hours for folks who make $100,000 or more with discounts for lower-income individuals, drivers with disabilities, and people who live in the areas impacted. The San Francisco Chronicle reported that commuters making less then $46,000 would not pay a fee at all. Probably not going to affect a lot of Uber and Lyft drivers then, but now that if you drive into this area, we're going to either charge you six fifty, dollars or you're going to have to prove that your income is below $46,000 a year. Oddly intrusive. And with that, we go back to our co-host, Steve. Uh, maybe we'll have some time for some good news in history today. Steve, do we have a winner for the comment contest? I'm going to pick uh, Mr. Too Unique uh, just for being super active in the comment section. Like, thank you. We need more of that. Everybody else, take your lessons. Learn. <laughs> Be more active. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Well said. Thank you very much, Steve. It was a fun show. A lot of, like, deeper inside baseball libertarian stuff, but I think we covered it well. I... I I learned something today. Did you? I mean, I learn something every time I'm here. <laughs> awesome. I, don't awesome. I, learned, I don't know if I learned something good every time I'm here, but <laughs> I learned something. All right. <laughs> well, a lot of heavy news today, but I still think uh, I, I, I remain confident in my optimism. And with that, if you're on Odyssey, we look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought. Send me an email, Adam at thefreedomline.com. Jim, hit us with the producer notes. What's going on? Hope you enjoyed the show, everybody. T.me forward slash Adam versus Man has all the links we just talked about. Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus Man is how you can financially support the show. Instagram at the Garden of Freedom is the handle to check it out. Homefrontbattlebuddies.com, thecrypto6.com, and gogreenenergyonline.com. Click all those buttons on all those websites. Do all the things. Have a great day, everybody. Love all right. And with that, we go to goodnewsnetwork.org for good news in history for July 27. It was on this day, 100 years ago, a Canadian surgeon 
and a medical student successfully isolated the hormone insulin for the first time. A University of Toronto orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Frederick Banting, recruited the chemistry skills of an assistant, Charles Bestel, with isolating the insulin, which then produced normal blood glucose levels when injected. Before the breakthrough, people with type 1 diabetes rarely lived more than a year or two. One of the 20th century's greatest medical discoveries, it still remains the only effective treatment for type 1 diabetes. By 1923, insulin had become widely available in mass production, and Banting was awarded the Nobel Prize in Medicine. Charles Best, being a graduate student, was not included, but Banting awarded, uh, recognized him by sharing the award money. And with that, well, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.